You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It's good to have you company wherever you are on this planet Earth. Before we get started, as always, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you are listening to this episode from. Check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at theplug.podcast. We had a huge reception to last week's episode. Thank you to everyone who listened to that. And uh, thank you to the How I Met Your Mother fan pages for sharing that uh, the episode with Josh Radner. I had a lot of fun talking to Josh. I've had Josh on a few times and that was probably my favorite conversation to date. My guest this week, I've had his fellow band members on the podcast a few times in the past, but I've never had him and I am excited to welcome him on the show this week. My guest this week is the front man of Canadian hero Simple Plan, Pierre Bouvier. Ahead of the band's return to Australia in April 2024 alongside boys like Girls and We The Kings, Pierre came on to talk about their recent show at When We Were Young Festival and all the madness that happened there, and 21 years after the release of their debut album, No Pads, No Helmets, Just Balls, we look back on the record and how the hell they got Blink-182's Mark Hoppus on board. Also on this episode, Pierre talks about the period of time when Civil Plan went from underground to mainstream, changing their music with the times, and why they're bigger now than they've ever been. Civil Plan will be playing shows in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane in April 2024. Tickets are on sale now. For more details, head to Destroy royallines.com. I had a blast talking to Pierre. I'm so excited for everyone to hear it. Check it out right now on the Plug Podcast. All right, well, my guest at this time, I am so stoked to welcome to the Plug Podcast for the very first time, Pierre Bovier, the front man of Simple Plan. Pierre, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I was just saying before we recorded, I um I had a couple of the other guys on at Good Things in 2019, um, but this is the first time we're speaking, and I'm a 20 plus year Civil Plan fan, man. So this is this is the nice little milestone for me. Oh well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. That always that that never gets old, and I appreciate it every time uh, it is mentioned. And thank you so much. And you know, we we love going to Australia, and I'm excited about heading back down there again. And I uh, it's thank you for the kind words. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Australian tour in a little bit, but you're, I'm assuming that's a home studio. I'm assuming you're having some downtime right now. Yes, I'm having some, I, I like to say some well-deserved down, downtime. We uh, had a very busy year last year. Uh, we had a big tour in the U.S. with uh, The Offspring and Sum 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. We went to Southeast Asia. We went to Mexico and we're lining up for a big year next year. We're going to Europe. We're going to uh, Brazil and then Australia and then some more European festivals. And right now I have uh, another two, two and a half months off. And I'm so excited because I've got my wife and my two daughters um, who it's so hard. You know, I love being in a band and it's so much fun, but the hard part is really leaving and uh, being gone for weeks at a time is difficult. So right now I get to be home. I'm going to play some golf. I'm going to hang out with my kids. I'm going to hang out with my animals and do all the stuff that I didn't do while I was gone. Like, oh, this needs to be fixed. This needs to be fixed. So <laughs> got to catch up. In Canada, right? I actually live in America. I, I've Ooh. been, uh, I'm married an American, an American girl, uh, married a girl from a small town in California. And we live here in a small town called Ojai. 
oh, uh, nice. which is spelled O-J-A-I. And it's a little tiny little town about an hour and a half north of L.A. Okay. And uh, this is where my wife was born and raised. And it's a lovely town. Amazing. So you're actually done for the rest of the year then? Yes. This yeah. We did our last show was when we were young fest yeah. in Las Vegas uh, about 10 days or about, yeah, about 10 days ago. And uh, that was our last show of the year. And well, it's, yeah, it's nice. Congratulations, number one. You've earned Thank the break. You. Um, can yeah. we start it when we were young? Because obviously this is the second year of that festival. Um, I had just left New York um, probably a month or two before. Um, I was meant to go. Devastated I couldn't and had to live off social media to be there. <laughs> How was it, dude? Because last year's event was like 45,000. I think this year ticked 60. Yeah, I think it was almost 70. It was like 68,000, 65,000. Wow. It was huge. It was amazing. It was so much fun. The shows were great. The fans were incredible. Um, we we played kind of like uh, th there was a, the two main stage and we had a little, uh, I mean, a little stage. It was a massive side stage. <laughs> and we played that at 645 right when it got dark and i feel so lucky about the slot that we got because it gets hot in vegas you know that yeah. um and when the sun drops and like it just get that little cool energy and then we hopped on stage we must have played for it looked like 30 40,000 people if not more um and uh it was amazing the lineup was so fun i got to watch blink 182 with tom again mm. uh watch the green day guys the offspring uh good charlotte uh, so many awesome bands that were there and it was uh it was truly like it was almost like a high school reunion, to be honest, because backstage, if any of us was was to walk around, it'd be like, oh, my God. Hey, what's up, bro? How's it going? Good to see you. It was really incredible. So it was a great vibe. And the show went on amazingly and I uh, couldn't be happier. I said to you before, like, I'm, I've been a fan of Civil Plan really from the start. And now you guys are kind of like the veterans of the scene <laughs> and coming back to a festival like that where you're meeting your or not meeting but catching up with your heroes your offsprings your blinks uh -huh. is that a surreal moment where it's kind of like a you were the reason i got into this but now i'm that guy that a lot of people are here to see i'm their hero yeah it's kind of weird you know and i feel like the band for us we've always had that weird little energy of feeling like we have something to prove so i've never I've never gotten that that feeling of like, yeah, we're the veterans. I always, even though we are, I still feel like I'm just a kid, no pun intended, but I feel <laughs> like I'm just that little kid that's that's around all these awesome bands. And uh, I think that's actually what's kept our band um, sort of going is that always feeling like we need to prove something, you know, mm. uh, but to be there and to have these younger bands come out and like show us so much respect and be like, hey man, it's it, it does feel good because there was a time when we first came out and we first started blowing up on MTV and we became really successful and sold millions of records, there was at that time more of an uh, of a of a climate of like, you're too pop. Are, are you pop? Are you mm. punk? What are you? You're selling out. And there was a lot of like, as much as there was love for us, there was a bit of like, there was a bit of people that were like, you guys suck. You know what I mean? So now that that's kind of gone away because we've been around for so long we've we've had so many songs so many records we've toured so much even the haters now love us it's like everyone's kind of like yeah you guys were awesome you know so it is nice to be out there uh around all these people and just have like it feels like so much more it's general love now and also mm -hmm. you know the social climate has changed people have realized that being a dick <laughs> Again, no pun intended, uh, is uh, is not not so cool, you know. So people are people are much more accepting and 
uh it's it was i mean that that show was i have to say it was a highlight of my career like just being around all those people and being able to share the stage with them and uh and have all these fans that grew up on this music and even the newer fans there was some people that were like 10 12 years old in the crowd and there was some 40 year olds you know mm. so it felt very very it, it just a, it was a massive bunch of people you mentioned you toured uh, recently with the offspring and some 41 and i caught uh you on the on the offsprings podcast and it's so surreal to me and as a fan of both these bands when noodle was like oh yeah i kind of heard about simple plan because i was driving my kids to school and they love yeah they love that album yeah that's a weird thing to be for me to hear that's definitely definitely weird but the weirder one is when we meet you know we do a lot of meet and greets with fans and we do uh whether it's signings or just meeting people outside the show um a lot of people now are like coming up to us and they're fairly young. They seem like, you know, they're 15, 20, 25 years old. And the, the story now is like, oh, you were my my parents' favorite band. And I got into you because when I was growing up, when I was five and 10 years old, my parents were into you and now I'm into, or they, you'll have like parents and kids together. And that's bizarre because I, you know, we're all getting older and I've, I've aged, obviously we're all getting older, but um, I still feel like the same guy that wrote the song I'm Just a Kid and that, you know, played Welcome to My Life and that all these memories just feel like they were just yesterday. So to have someone be like, yeah, you're my mom's favorite band and now I love you guys. It's like, that's 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 the weirdest. Yeah. When We Were Young is very interesting as well because the kind of the pop punk emo revival that's happened in the last few years. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if someone pitched this festival in 2014 like hey i've got this idea where the ataris and finch and less than jake they're going to play in front of 50,000 people like to be honest and i love those bands you would have laughed in their face it's come back in such a big way you got tom's back with blink and yellow cards back and paramore's back if you would have told me that years ago i would have said there's no way you'll have that many people there because we've all you know we grew up on warp tour and warp tour had at the biggest warp tour was like 20,000 Wow. That was the biggest one. You know what I mean? Um, so now you have, it's like the ultimate warp Tour uh, lineup. You know what I mean? And I always think, I always think it's so funny. I and mean, it's not funny. I feel almost, it's a mix of like respect and a bit of sadness. Because Kevin Lyman is the creator of warp Tour. And he sure. always kept the tickets priced so low. And that was like his thing, right? And he, we, there was bands on on Warp Tour like Green Day were on Warp Tour, I think one year, Blink One Eighty Two for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, bands like Pennywise, Rancid, all the bands on when we were young were on Warp Tour, and you were paying forty bucks, you know, forty five bucks, fifty bucks at the most for Warp Tour. And now suddenly, you know, you have these the festivals have gotten bigger, and people have cashed in and said, you know what, we're going to make a. Someone had the idea of putting all these gr- greatest bands together and putting it as when we were young. Uh, but really, it's like the vision of Kevin Lyman minus the cheaper ticket, you know, but yeah, um, but it's really cool. And I think it's uh, like I said, for me, being out there, you know, being able to hug it out with guys from Bowling for Soup and Newfound Glory and Yellow Card. And it's it was pretty surreal. I know this is a very lame and generic question, but I'm just curious now if you like 20 year old you, if you're going to that festival, who are the bands that? Like, who are these bands that are the reason Civil Plan exist? Mm. Well, I have to give, and I realize it every time I see them more and more, but um, I think Blink-182 at the time, because Chuck and I started a band together when we were 13 years old, and we were like way more, we were a little more on the on the metal side of punk. We had a guitar player that was super into metal. Um, and when we heard, you know, damn it, great song. When, but when Enema of the State came out in 99, 
Simple Plan was like starting to form as an idea. It was kind of like becoming this new band where we were going to take our music and becoming a little bit more, just a little more fun and a little less serious. And I say that not, you know, it's it's just as hard to write a fun song that is a serious song, but just to take it a little more lightheartedly. And when Enema the State came out, it really was a moment that I remember. I was like, holy shit. Like it started with Dumpweed and, you know, all the small things and What's Mage Again and all these massive songs and, uh, and, and, uh, and Adam's song and Going Away to College. These songs were like something we'd never heard before because we we'd been around bands like, you know, Face to Face, No Effects and even MXPX. It's a little more fun. But Blink did it in a way that was like, holy shit, this is like it really is crossing over to everyone. It's their hits on the radio, but they're also cool for us punk kids. So that was really a band that for me um, kind of like was like a reason why we would start Simple Planet. We were like, this is what we, we want to be like that, you know. Mm. So watching them a couple of weeks ago when we were young um, and especially with Tom being back because, you know, he's been gone for so long. Um, and, you know, uh, I love Matt Skiba, but, you know, Blink-182 really is is uh, Tom, Mark and Travis. Um, and it, yeah, that, that would be the band that I was, I would lose my mind to be able to see them and the set list they played was great. And, uh, that, and of course, Green Day, I mean, Green Day, you know, this is before Blink-182, I was way more into Green Day, like in night, I think what Dookie came out in 94, I think. Um, and Dookie for me, I remember, uh, I was working at, at some, one of my friend's family's apartment where they hired us to like do some painting and some we were sh uh, scraping off this this wood molding for like weeks at a time, and Green Day was on my little cassette tape in the thing and cranking. So those those two those two bands together would be really, yeah, what started Simple Plan for sure. Yeah, I was kind of going through the Simple Plan catalog, and I completely forgot that No Pads No Helmets, number one, twenty one years, congratulations. Yep, but thank you. That's the debut album where you have Mark Hoppus on that album. Now you've just spoken about how much you love Blink. How did that happen in the sense that like, you know, that was the debut album. It wasn't like you released an album, you got hot, then Blink heard of you. Was Mark a fan from the get-go? Did someone have an in? <laughs> this, this, uh, the, how this happened is through stalking, very intense stalking. <laughs> so, um, you know, in my, I had a band before Simple Plan with Chuck and uh, we had played some shows with Blink-182. We'd opened up for them. And so they, there was a bit of an in. And over the years in 96, 97, 98, Chuck really was, he, he was a huge fan. So was I, but he was like, maintained a contact with Mark and like would send him like, Hey buddy, like literally wait outside by the tour bus and wow. be like, Hey man, good to see you. Like was like that kid that was like, I love your fucking band. And so Mark being a cool guy that he was, was, you know, Chuck was like, here's a demo of my band. And he gave, he gave Mark our first demo and there was a song I'd do anything on the demo that was a little bit different than the original version, or mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, that the the final version. Um, but uh, you know, we had Mark's email, and Chuck would be like, "Guys, I'm gonna send Mark an email. Are you ready? Okay, all right, here we go. Send." And he would send it, and we're like, we'd wait, you know, a week, a week and a half, two weeks, and Mark would reply. And one time after we sent him our demo, Mark said, "Hey man, I love the song. I'd do anything. It's so awesome. I think it's so great. You guys are gonna go far." And even. One day he was about to perform at the MTV Awards that remember that iconic performance they performed. And I think Tom's guitar went out or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was a big deal. And I mean, the performance was a big deal. And Mark literally emailed Chuck and said, hey, I'm in the dressing room and I'm rocking out to your song. I do anything. I love it. It's so cool. 
and he just like gave us a bunch of praise and we were at this time the, the record wasn't even out yet it was just, this is a demo stage so chuck remembered that and like he kind of like was hanging on to that you know for dear life and whenever the blink guys would play in our area we'd drive out and go see them play and, and finally when we got signed to our label and we're making this record uh you know uh chuck was like i'm gonna write to mark and i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna ask him like would he because he told me he likes the song I'm going to ask him, would he be cool to sing on the song? And Mark was like, yeah, I would love to. And we're like, oh, my God, like, this is the biggest band ever. Coolest fucking guy ever. And he's he's agreeing to sing on our song that nobody knows, that nobody knows our band. Um, and the coolest thing about it, and I have to say it, um, is that, you know, we were signed to Lava Records, which is part of Atlantic Records, major, mm -hmm. major record label in America. And they're excited about having Mark on the record. And they're like, you know. We should offer him some points. We should offer him some money. And we're like, fuck yeah, great. Offer sure. him whatever. Sure. <laughs> and Mark, Mark at the time was like, I don't want anything. He didn't take anything. We The label offered, we offered. We said, hey, we'll pay you for it. We'll give you some points. We'll give you some songwriting. He just said, no. He said, I love the song. I love you guys. You guys are great. And uh, I'll do it. So Chuck and I, as we're making the record, we flew out to San Diego. Uh, Mark picked us up. Uh, from our hotel and took us to the studio he sang his part took us to his house it was like so incredibly amazing for a guy like him that was on the top of the world uh to treat us like so well and it, it really did it it put our foot in the door you know with like stuff like mtv and k-rock and different radio stations the fact that we had the stamp of approval of mark hoppus was a huge thing and um we could never repay that you know it was uh it was it was really massive and i hope to one day be able to do that for someone else maybe you yeah. know uh to repay to pay it forward was that in between take off your pants and jacket and the untitled album when this kind of conversation was happening and him rejecting um, well, a fee you know uh i think because i'm trying to remember so i know enema of the states 99 yeah and we were probably making this record in 2001 and take off your pants and jacket came out when i think 2001 possibly. right so he, they were probably i think it was probably around i don't think take off your pants and jacket was out yet when we recorded with him um right okay but but he was probably obviously in the making of it um but yeah it was, it, i mean they were they were huge they were the biggest fan of our style and um like i said very impactful for me and chuck as songwriters um and uh they they influenced us hugely that's what I was saying before about when we were young. Is that now a situation where you can recognize these guys as peers and friends? Like, or are they still these, you know, heroes on a pedestal? Could you go up to the Blink dressing room and knock on the door just to say hi to Mark? I well, this is the interesting thing, right? There is a time and there was a time that I could. And there may be a situation where that'd be possible. Actually, it would be very possible. If we were on <laughs> tour and it was like, uh, if, if we were on tour with them or if, or if we played a show with them, but at, when we were young, there was so many people and there was so many bands and security was getting so tight that it actually like I remember um, like I, I was I was backstage and I watched Travis walk out of his dressing room, of course, with like two bodyguards, because now not only is he Travis Barker, but now he's married to a fucking Kardashian. Yeah. So he's like next level. So he's coming out of the dressing room and he's like, you know, walking down the security. And I'm like, I'm not going to get involved with that. And then Tom walks out. <laughs> he's got a sea of feet. He's got a sea of people with him. And I'm like, I just wanted to like acknowledge them. And I, I didn't see Mark, but I saw Tom and I was like, I love you, Tom. And he looked at me and he recognized me. And I had this cut off t-shirt like I wear on stage. And he was like, 
hey man wear your sleeves <laughs> i was like <laughs> fucking tom man comment. come on man i know right he's so funny but but yeah so i think that you know if i was to bump it i remember like when i lived in san diego i'd bump into tom at the grocery store once in a while we you know chatted up um but at that show because blink right now the return of tom they are like hotter than fucking ever they're, they're officially so a stadium right band now i know like and that, so right now like could i go walk up on the dressing room i think there would be like there'd probably be layers of security that'd be like i'm sorry you can't be here <laughs> um but uh but yeah i still i mean like i said before i've always had this complex in my life and in my band where i never feel like we're this massive we're not celebrities. I'm just, you know, like I said, like, I don't know if I told you, but uh, there was Chris Pratt that was on the golf course here that that uh, um, that I, I live by and I play on. And, um, you know, he's such a big celebrity. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a huge fan, man. I'm not going to tell him who I am. I'm not that it matters. You know? <laughs> um, but it's kind of the same thing with those bands. Like, I feel like, no, I, I don't I don't see myself up there with Blink. I see myself like, yeah. you know, there's 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 bands that like are unknown and I'm like here. And then there's blink. This is next level. Yeah. Looking back at that time as well. And obviously I do anything kind of broke out in a big way. It got picked up in a few movies. I think was that the, was that the song that shifted simple plan from, you know, rising pop punk band to mainstream band? Cause I mean, going back to what you said earlier when people like maybe turned on simple plan, I don't think that was exclusive to you. I think, that scene turned on any band that really got oh, yeah. mainstream success. Was it that or was it perfect that really changed things as far as the, the mainstream attention? Um, I think it's, yeah, we'd be more towards perfect because perfect was that song where um, it got so big. And it, the funny thing back then is that what really made you either like be a sellout or not is what station played you. Like if you were on pop radio, then you were a sellout. And if you were on rock radio, then you were cool. Um, and, Perfect was really our big crossover hit that became, I think it was a top three of pop radio. And that's when, you know, the cool kids, rock kids start getting annoyed with you because everybody knows you. when you're on pop radio and you have a top, top five hit, everybody knows you. So it's not just, you don't become this, you're not just this elite sound that people that are in the know know about. You're the one that, you know, 10, 12, 14 year olds love it too. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's not so cool, you know, because if someone, you know, walking around as like a punk kid, and there's a 10 year old going like, I'm sorry, I can't. They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to like that, you know? Yeah. So that's, that was a song that really kind of did it. And like, to be honest, it was MTV. So in it is the, the double edged sword here that happened is that my band and well, simple plan was, was so supported by MTV and MTV at the time was, um, a huge reason of, of it was a huge part of our success. We didn't have that much radio play and MTV was like, we love these guys. And the response they were getting from TRL and the Collins was so huge that we actually broke on mainstream through, through MTV before radio. Right. And that was something that, I mean, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. It did happen back in the day, but it was usually the other way around, but I have to get, I have, and I have to give props to MTV for just being like, no, we love this band. We want we want to break him, and 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 it really helped. But that was also part of the factor. But I think yeah, perfect was definitely more the song that uh, that uh, would have tipped us over the scale. But it's it's weird as how that works too, because I don't know if you know this. I only found out Dan from Story of the Year came on my podcast, and you know, Vindicated by Dashboard, which was a mm-hmm. massive song for him. That was the theme song for Spider Man Two. Yep. Story of the year got offered that first. It was meant to be Anthem of Our Dying Day. And they were terrified no that they would become 
gross radio mainstream band? They said no. So they didn't he, take it? They said no. And then they went and then the studio went to dashboard. Wow. And that's when you're like, you're just, at the time I you get blew it, like, my cool, mind you're right punk there. rock. But then it's like, one, money. Think of the fucking money. But two, you know, Anthem of Our Dying Day is one of their best songs. Just like Perfect is one of Civil Plan's best songs. It's like this, yeah, sure, take the hit now. But in 10, 15 years, it's a legacy. Yeah, see, so so I would say for sure, 100%, if that was something that have happened to Civil Plan, we would have said yes. And that's what, that's what kind of hurt us in some ways, but mm-hmm. also made us huge and one of those and some of what of a comparable thing is that when our band was starting to blow up we got offered to the opening slot for avril levine and avril levine was you know i love avril i think her songs are great but at the image at the time was like she's this the, the real sellout punk you know yeah. she's like and we knew that if we took this tour it would mean that all rock radio would be like and we were getting a little bit of rock radio love but not that much they would just have to stop playing us and pop radio would pick us up and we knew such same as story of the uh, story of the year that this would be it could potentially help, but it could also hurt. And we were the kind of band that were like, fuck it, go for it. And we'll just keep being ourselves. We'll keep making the music that we want to make. We'll keep being the same guys on stage. We're not going to let some, you know, record label come and like dress us a certain way or tell us to do whatever. And as long as we do that, we can, we can back it, you know? And, you know, I didn't know that story, but I I have to say, you know, I wonder now if they, if they regret that decision, because that would have been huge for them. And even dashboard at the time, you know, before that song, it was more of an underground thing and Mm. that kind of catapulted dashboard in a bigger way. So I wonder if they, if they think that's a good decision now, you know, I, like I said, that for simple plan that would have been an easy decision it would have been like fuck it (laughs) take it because our goal from the get-go was let's get this band in front of more people and we can just be ourselves and no one can take that away from us yeah let's just put this band in front of more people we don't care who it is we don't care if it's the cool kids or the lame kids or, or the popular kids or the unpopular kids or doesn't matter, you know. And it's the the long stand, the longevity. Sorry, is really interesting as well because going back to this weird revival of pop punk and emo in the last few years, do you? Does it? Is there any party that's a little bitter about it? And by that I mean, um, I had Bert from the Used on the podcast, and the Used are another band that they never left. They've never, you know, they didn't disappear for ten years and come back. And he says he totally gets it. Like he loves it because all his friends are back. But he's like, there is a little bit where it's like, well, we never fucking left. Like these, yeah. some some of these bands might be coming back because let's be honest, they're cashing a check. They're, they're jumping on this yeah. fad. Is there a party mm-hmm. where it's like, it's amazing. And you guys are playing to these huge crowds. And like you just said, you played in front of what? 50,000 people when we were young. Is there yeah. any party where it's like, fuck you? No, I, I, I think the only part that is a bit of maybe a bit of resentment would be it's i think it's fine that they go away and come back and i sometimes i'm jealous because i know that the leaving and coming back it 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 ramps up the excitement anyways like would you like yellow cards doing better than they were i think because they paused for a long time Mm -hmm. you know watching good charlotte on stage these days is more special because they don't play shows Mm. you know what i mean and i get that and i respect that that's completely fine um but it is i to me it's not about like an fu it's more of like wow look at how well we're doing and we don't even have the added the added um factor of of having gone and come back so that gives me more pride i feel like 
we're up there with those bands. You know, some of these bands are coming back and going on tour and we're selling as many tickets as they are selling more merch than they are. And we never left. So to me, it's more of a pat on my own back. Um, but but no, I think it's cool that the bands are coming back that are, you know, um, but it, yeah, there, there is a it's more of a sense of pride. It's more of like, hey, yeah. we we we've been here all along. We never yeah. stopped, you know. Yeah. Well, going back to what Bird said from the you, sorry, um, he said a, a thing where it was like he could tell there was a shift like, you know, there was it went from pop punk to emo and then around the what early 2010s emo kind of died off and everyone started listening to dance music and that's when there yeah. was this weird shift of like these bands weren't not necessarily cool but the people who were in that scene very much disappeared and now they're back so it, like it's it's in my opinion like i've been a fan of that, that the whole time so i love it but i do get there it's a little bit like you know is it another fad scene is this going to run out in another year or two I think it's going to go. I mean, nothing is nothing is ever constant, right? So I think mm. that right now there's a, there's an excitement for it for multiple reasons. You know, the fact that the Blink guys are back together, the fact that Machine Gun Kelly and that kind of style kind of like reignited it, and then other bands came out and put some great records out. Um, I think it's we're at a high right now. Is it going to go away? I don't think so. But is it going to dip? Probably a little bit. You know, like right now we're at, we're at an all time high. Um, and, uh, I think it's, it's okay, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, it's not going to go away because people that grew up with this, they're going to want to continue to see these bands. And I think as long as you keep up with the cool packages, you know, you keep, mm. we try to make a, a tour when we do a tour, we try to make it with a few bands. If you just go on your own, then good luck, but make it a little bit of a package. Same as when. That's why when we were young was so was so popular because people look at that and go, I cannot miss this concert, you know. Mm. So you want to put that in your energy a little bit, but um, I don't think it's going away. I don't think it's uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But there is what you're mentioning before about the dance music that really, I mean, it really did disappear. So, you know, you're talking '99 with Blink coming out, and then following by Newfound Glory, Good Charlotte, Simple Plan, Some Forty One, and that's more like to the, the early two thousand. That more yeah. like the used My Chemical Romance. Yeah, Story of the Year, all that. Um, and that was really the peak of pop punk. Mm. And after that, after our second record, when our third record came out, and it was like it was no longer to be seen on radio. There was it was basically, you know, uh, Timbaland, Nelly Furtado, and it was all <laughs> dancey. And it even it affected the way that we made music. And you see it from our third album that was like, we're like, we can't we can't just keep doing you know, and. I think it was a cool growth for us to do that, but um, it was definitely not by choice. And of course it was by choice, but it, we were, we felt like we were, it had to evolve, you know, and then it came mm. back and, and now it's just nostalgia. Was there ever a, a conversation you guys had where it was like, we have to change it up or we're going to cease to exist? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Third record. Third yeah. record was like, because, we had had so much success on radio and MTV. We felt sort of dependent on that to keep going. And we, that's why we actually, on our third record, we, um, we used a producer called Danger, who was like basically Timbaland and Justin Timberlake's right-hand man. And right. we thought, it, I mean, listen, we didn't do it purely out of like, we have to change. Part of it was like, we were excited about how can we create a hybrid that will have that pop punk energy, but will incorporate a bit more programming and some cool production stuff that these, I mean, listen, I'm a fan of Justin Timberlake. I thought when he came out with his record and 
you know, Cry Me River, all that shit. That that was I liked it. So I was like, how can we bridge the gap and find something that's a hybrid? Um, but yeah, there was definitely from the label side as well. Not that they ever told us what to do, but like we knew that if we just came out with another Welcome to My Life, it would not it would not go well, you know. Um, so yeah, kind of like forced, but still, it was just adapting to the times. Yeah, which it's kind of funny. We come full circle. Last year's harder than it looks. I mean, pretty much across the board. I mean, who gives a shit what critics think? But it was yeah. a critical success. Fans loved it. Like, if you, I hate, it's purely objective, but I hate putting albums up against each other. Harder than it looks would have to be up there in top three, I think, which considering, yeah, I, considering how long you guys have been around for, like, that's a big feat. You know, you think of how many bands who have been around for such a long time. It, do, it does get to a point sometimes where it feels like they're just churning out the albums. You guys have tapped into something new with Harder Than It Looks. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I think that we are we are one of the most perfectionist group of guys I've ever seen in my life. And that's why our records take time to make. And I mean, we busted our asses on. We, we don't give up until the songs we feel are like going to blow people away if they're fans of the band. Mm. And I think that there are things about the record that I don't like. And I, I think it's mostly about the order of the songs personally yeah. but there are some songs on there to me that are going to stand out as my favorite forever um you know best day of my life epic song a million pictures of you i really love i love iconic um and there's a uh, slow motion one of my favorite songs ever uh anxiety a cool you know anxiety is like a song that like is tr is again sort of reflecting our third record where we're trying we're trying to make a hybrid here but in a way that's really effective I, so I I love the record and I'm so proud of it. I think at the time that it came out, um, there were some challenges with, like like you said, who cares about the success of it? I think our fans absolutely love it and that's what matters. And uh, But yeah, I, I would love to see, I would love to have more people hear it, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, break through the noise now. There's, I mean, look at the amount of songs that are coming out and, you know, uh, what we're up against. But yeah, at the end of the day, I stand behind that record. I think it's amazing. And I think that everyone that's heard it that I've, that I've spoken to mm. have told me they love it. And uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters to me. You know, we, we have a good fan base. We sell records. We, I mean, we sell tickets for shows. We're still here. We're, I mean, the fact that we're all still here and that everybody in simple plan doesn't have to have another job and that we make a living doing this, that's a win. You know, yeah. I, 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 I just feel so grateful. You guys have been super busy, obviously, and more touring next year. Are you even thinking about another album, considering how well-received this last album was? Um, yes, we're definitely thinking about some new material, and I know I have to get to it, and I have a little bit of time right now to do that. Um, however, yeah, the touring is going so well, mm. and it's, it's kind of finding that balance because, like I said, we're such perfectionists. We don't crank out a record in three weeks, and some bands do it, and that's to be debated whether it's a good idea or not. <laughs> um, but we take a long time to make a record. Writing like writing a great song for me usually takes, because I, I write it here in this room and I, I put it together as a demo, so it takes a while. Writing a great song for me takes a few days. So to, to write 12 songs or whatever number you want to come up with, it's a long time. But we definitely, we have, we're not going to stop making music. It's just a matter of when can we find some time because we have, we have these two months off coming up and then we have, I mean, with next year's already lined up to be so intense in a wonderful way. Um, but yeah, can the fans expect more music? 
Absolutely. And we actually have, we've got some stuff in the archives. There's a, a couple of versions of songs and there's some unreleased stuff that we have that I want to put out. Um, notably, I had this, uh, this, this awesome version I've been trying to push on the band. I've got this piano uh, and, and vocal kind of ballady version of anxiety that I'm in love okay. with. And I'm like, guys, can we just put this out? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to get some new stuff out. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to find that time because taking making the time to make a record for us, it requires some months and yeah. some months mean that we're not going on the road. So, but it will happen. Is it a dick move to ask if it'll be next year? I, I'm sure that it will be created next year. Now, whether it's going to be released next year, I don't know, but, okay. but we, I know that like Sebastian and Jeff have been, been telling me like, so new songs is probably a good time and i'm like fuck i know i'm like i know i know i know i know I mean, the I know. album so, yeah. only came out last year to be fair like and you've been touring yeah no it's that's what i'm saying you know yeah. it's like but this is the problem with today's you know I, and i get it i'm the same way our attention spans are very short and you know you put a new record out and within three months you got the fan base on comments going like when's new material coming out yeah. and i'm like i'll kill you <laughs> well <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm wrapped that you guys are coming to Australia because again I was in New York when you were touring with Sum 41, but it was like a venue that was like well out of I lived in Manhattan, so it was well out of New York. I'm wrapped to see you guys there. And again, looking at this lineup, the shows are all but sold out. Like, and this is in April. It's you guys are getting bigger. <laughs> I know that's and I and I keep telling my friends. So uh, now that they're asking, but like whenever I meet people, I'm like, I, I'm. This is the story that I've been telling. I'm like, I don't understand how this is possible, but I'm so grateful that our literally our 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 touring career is maybe the biggest and healthiest it's ever been. And I I don't know I don't know how that's possible, but I think I mean the one thing I have to say, we've really embraced like many other people, social media. And, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into our, our Instagram and TikTok and uh, keep, in, keep in touch with the fans. And I think that that is a huge factor because at the end of the day, it's about being out there and people knowing that you're coming to town because sometimes you'll be in their town and you'll, I, I have some funny stories. I'll be in a town somewhere, whether it's in America or Australia. Oh my God, I have this great story. I was in Sydney. And I'm walking down the street and I've got the band with me and I've got this. I think we were shooting the video for Summer Paradise at the time. This is a long time ago. And we're in the streets of Sydney walking and some girl that works in a in a, uh, uh, a shop, some clothing store or whatever, is, you know, outside of the, of the shop just standing there. And we walk by and she's like, you guys look like you're in a band. Who are you? And we're like, we're in Simple Plan. And she lost her mind. She was like, you're lying. You're lying, mate. It's not you. And I'm like, no, we're in Simple Plan. It's really us. And she's like, no, it's not you. You're lying. And I'm like, yes, we're playing. We're playing today down the street. And she couldn't believe it. And because she was a huge fan. And I'm like, how do you not know that we are playing in your town, literally yeah. blocks away? So with social media, now we're pushing it. We're doing all the TikToks, all the stuff. And I think that might be helping with just awareness of like Simple Plans yeah. coming to my town. Let me buy a ticket. Let me go see the show. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm wrapped to see you guys. I saw you at Good Things, and I'm very excited to see you in April. Pierre, thanks so much for coming on, man. Good luck with the tour. Um, enjoy the rest of your year. Take some downtime, and we'll uh, we'll see you in April, dude. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you then. 
To watch full episodes of The Plug Podcast, head over to the official YouTube page, at theplug.podcast, and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the video content. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at theplug.podcast for all episode announcers, teasers, and giveaways. Thank you.